0: This is episode 90, it's How You Say It, featuring Corinne Vargas. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria. I'm Deb. And welcome our special guest, Corinne Vargas. Hi, Corinne.
1: Hi there, how are you?
0: Good. Just sitting here with our wine. Uh, Deb, you have wine? I know. I like, do. You want me to
2: go first? Yeah. Um, I'm drinking 19 Crimes. It's um, the Cabernet from 19 Crimes. It's a 2018. Um, it's good. I like it. It's I kind of like this brand. I can't say the Cabernet is my favorite of the ones that I've had, but um, I still vote drink it. They have a rose that I had the other day, and I I would prefer that right now um but it's good it all, so. i drank it all yes yeah. right. got it Let's see. what uh, happens yeah it does it happens to me often i'm like wait i thought that i had wine and then i'm like oh i drank it all mm-hmm. um it's the saddest thing i, I don't I'm know just, why it I'm keeps happening my
0: rosé i have rosé i'm saving it I'm like just going to wait for the weather to be a little bit warmer so I'm having the oh. best thing, I guess you could say. I'm having Chardonnay, but shout out to Eric Kent Chardonnay. Check out mm-hmm. the show notes to where to purchase this wine because this is sponsored wine.
2: Mm. So if this Yeah, Maria gets all the free wine.
0: Well, you know, I'm emails, Deb. I send an email <laughs> and they mail it to me and I would assume I'd be coming to your house so we could record right. together and we could share the wine, but I'm not going to do that now because we're in quarantine. So it looks yeah. like I will be drinking the wine.
2: Anyway. I mean, that is a pretty good story. I think that would hold up in court. Yes.
0: <laughs> I had good intentions, right? Yeah. isn't it all about intentions.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who said that the thought, it's the thought that counts because I like actions. So, but Uh, well, it's very, you know what? I didn't get to talk about my cheese, which I'm concerned. It doesn't taste that good. It's mozzarella. Um, it said the sell by date was July. It just doesn't taste good. And I keep eating it. So if I have to leave here on abruptly, like abruptly leave, that's why.
0: Oh, I don't even have cheese, so I going shopping Sunday, so. <laughs> but anyway, I just have this free
1: Chardonnay. Awesome.
0: Corinne, what are you drinking, and are you eating anything?
1: Good questions. Uh, I'm drinking Smith & Hook. Um, it's a Sauvignon, uh, a Cabernet Sauvignon. It's a red. I do reds in the spring, fall, winter, and whites in the summer, um, and I picked it based on a, a family approach, which was what is left, which is the least left on the shelf, which means it has to be good, right? Um, right. It's mm. pretty good. It's a 2017. It's pretty juicy. Uh, it's got vanilla and currant in it. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I did have my cheese last night. I had some Chicago deep dish. So, ooh, Delicious. It, In honor of this, I'm not eating anything, um, but I do have some leftovers that I'm going to dig in after.
0: Wow. So I vote drink it for my wine. What about you, Corinne? I vote drink it as well. It's delicious. Nice. All right. Virtual cheers right here. Cheers. Cheers. Healthy Friday. Yes. It's officially happy hour time.
2: I got new wine glasses. They said they're unbreakable, and I was like, I'll see about that. Hmm.
1: please report back. I cannot tell you. I will. I, uh, actually, my mother stopped by in quarantine. We've both been quarantined in our own places with our own families, and uh, she hasn't seen anybody, and she came over just briefly, and she said, oh, you have no wine glasses. I go like, oh, because I broke all of them. So.
2: Yeah, it's my favorite pastime. I just, you know, have wine glass, break a wine glass, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see. Unbreakable all right from wayfair and it's got a little design they came out of the box and my fiance was like um oh these are fancy and i was like don't you worry
0: <laughs> is that like an we'll early wedding gift deb
2: no i bought these for my, like what for myself no maybe oh, yeah. sure maybe should just- you justify things that you buy like that <laughs>
0: No, I just yeah. it just seems like a very big wedding present. And I got you glasses. Did you break the ones I got you? The ones that were doubly insulated so you could
2: No, those ones um they're for, they're supposed to go in the freezer. They're for cold wine. Yes. Um yeah. And okay. yeah. No, those are plastic so they're not breakable. That's um doing. and I'm drinking a red wine which is supposed to be room temperature, so
1: Got it. I, I also know. think during quarantine, I don't think you need an excuse to buy things. Um, I think that's right. a big change during this time that you're allowed to do and buy whatever. Just you know, little presents to yourself over the week. Yeah, keep things interesting. I
2: am trying to be on a, a spending freeze. Well, now I I'm, feel like your my real- bank account's quarantine true you realize how little things you need i feel
0: like sometimes. yeah like i just made bagels now and like last week we made tortillas and like i would never have done that if i was working right now you know
2: so, yeah my sister made bagels you made bagels yeah with green nice. yogurt oh fancy yes. good for you was, I don't yeah
0: mean. i'm gonna add some cinnamon and some raisins in there but anyway, fancy let's talk i about made a cake of- oh wow that's- oh yeah you did uh, what kind of cake
2: I'm a big well, sweets Yes, person. I mean, big, I've been on a couple podcasts this, this week, and I've talked about cake on all of them, so might as well talk about it on my own. Yeah. Um, I made four cakes. I made a, a funfetti cake, a strawberry cake, a chocolate cake, and a vanilla almond whiskey cake. Um, Sunday was cake day, so I made a bunch of cakes. And the takeaway is that um, a lot of manipulation goes into cake baking. And uh, a lot of cake must be discarded in order to have a very fancy cake and not a Pinterest fail cake, which I had one Pinterest fail cake. Um, But I do like cake and I think we should all just, you know, take the time to have a cake day because it has influenced mine and Mike's entire week cake day. So, two,
1: question, two questions for you. What what are you doing with all this cake, though, if it's just, the, you know, the two of you? Are you giving it <laughs> to neighbors? Are you no, shipping we are
2: No, we, we are keeping the cake. Um, well, one cake failed. So we are we had, we were like, you know in 101 Dalmatians, they're like, 15 puppies. And then they're like, 14. Oh, yeah. We've <laughs> lost one.
0: <laughs> oh, the sad part.
2: But no, Lucky comes back, comes but the back. cake did not. The cake. No, so with the three cakes, we have three cakes left. Um, So then, what I did with it was, I froze half of the vanilla cake. I stacked the chocolate and strawberry cake, so it was like just a two-layer cake. Um, And then I threw out half of that cake when Mike kept eating it. I I, I
1: have a a (laughs) proposition for you. uh, Yeah. Since. Since Maria's getting all the, the free wine, I'll yeah. treat you mm-hmm. some Chicago pizza for, uh, you know, a cake. If you want to
2: uh, ship a cake? Yeah, I'll ship you a cake. I mean, I I can't promise what happens after it leaves here. But uh, <laughs> you'll get a cake if that's what you'd like. Uh,
1: get this girl some cake. <laughs> yeah. get the girl- I love that the almond sounds delicious. Oh,
2: There's that it. one was my favorite cake. I was like, look at this adult cake that I made. The first one was chocolate with strawberry so it was pink brown and it had purple icing because it was like blueberry icing so it, it looked like you know for like a birthday cake for a, a little girl um so naturally mike loved it and i made so those two were from a box and then i was worried he was going to think i didn't love him if i made him a box cake so then i made a from scratch cake and wow. i put some whiskey in it he could care less about that cake I He was like, that cake deb yeah yeah, it was good. I loved it. He wanted the pink cake with the purple icing. I mean, I should have known. Right.
0: he's very <laughs> sensitive. So he's a cancer, like us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what's yeah. your horoscope sign,
1: Corinne? Scorpio. Oh, Scorpio. We're com- Scorpio. Yeah, I was just gonna say we're all very compatible with each other, but yeah. What are signs? I, if, I, if I run into another Scorpio, sometimes it's an issue.
2: Mm. <laughs> oh, I don't know anything about that. Even though I do have, I do have a astrological tattoo but i don't that doesn't mean i know anything that just means i'm impulsive (laughs) (laughs) people are like why do you have that tattoo and i'm like because my grandma's dead
1: okay (laughs) it's not a good (laughs) thing yeah no because i was actually um i haven't not gotten a tattoo my brother my lot all of my family has tattoos and i've really wanted a tattoo and you mm-hmm. know uh, i wanted to do one in memory of my dad who passed away about a, you know a decade ago it's, yeah it's good but well, it just, just you know, know something-
2: just know that's what's going to happen
1: exactly and uh it's it's funny though because ex- exactly that reason i was planning on it and then you know covid hit us and oh. now, you know but if I, I apparently i think if i went to georgia that's
2: an essential business, so I, I think okay. I can do it there. Yeah. Right? Oh, I mean, I think so I no, I'm best my advice shouldn't come from me because I rarely wait for anything, but you can probably wait for that I'm,
0: I'm still <laughs> um, waiting for it to come to me what I want. I have ideas and where I definitely want something small, on my wrist, but I have yeah, I had a couple of like sketches, but never actually like went to the parlor and was like, all right draw this up like
1: mock this up but mm-hmm. me to too that. have you guys heard um you know that's kind of a new trend of getting the the actual speech wave of the voice of whoever yeah, you know you're I have looked
2: to. at that yeah and then also you can get one that scans and then like a computer could read it that's and it crazy. would sound like that yeah that's crazy
0: robot style yeah yeah, yeah. Like tattoo will just remind me of acoustics and i feel like i don't want to ever yeah no,
2: i don't even like that class yeah exactly. Um, since we're on this topic, um, I will say today is May 1st. And, um, so this is the two year anniversary anniversary of my grandmother passing. So cheers to her. Cheers. So today is the day. Yeah.
0: I need more wine. And
2: today was supposed to be the first day. So, so that, so this was supposed to be our first day starting the podcast Mm. But then it was like a lot, obviously was happening with me. Um, and then, so one week uh, from today is the two year anniversary of SLP's wine and cheese, May 7th.
0: Yes. So Deb, do you want to do stuff, you know, and then I can go get us some more wine to also celebrate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I can, yeah. So, um, I'll be back everyone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maria will be right back. So yeah, it's just, um, This always is like a bittersweet time of year for me. I think that I knew that um, my grandmother was passing soon. So I first bought a puppy. Um, His name's Frankie. He's two years old, obviously. Um, So I bought a puppy and I started a podcast. And that is what really like helped me not not like I mean it's important to acknowledge your feelings, but I think it was also important for like other things to come from that time. so it was like I got a puppy, I started a podcast, I said goodbye to a very important person in my life, and um, it was just like a signal of change, I think. so um we have to celebrate our two year anniversary this month. maybe we'll do a virtual party since we can't do a real life one. Good. Maria, I can't hear you at all. Oh, no. Oh, there you are. You're back. Okay. okay. I'm back.
0: She's Not- back. I'm back, everyone. I was like, let's get
2: more wine to cheers. Yeah,
0: wine To cheers with. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Yes. So wait, Corinne, did
1: we meet at ASHA? We did. We did very briefly. So I got to step away from my booth um, shortly to come over and say hi. And actually, if if I'm gonna be honest, I was intrigued by the wine. Mm-hmm. Well, and then that I was, came on. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, um uh you you guys had quite the the following around your your little booth there, uh, table, and there was a line and yeah, you were very popular. Our so booth was party. It was a party. <laughs> it was absolutely a party, which I joined briefly. Good. Uh, I ran through and I was like, "This is pretty cool." Um, I loved the the rhyming aspects, and then I was like, "Who mm-hmm. doesn't love wine?" and "Who doesn't love being a speech pathologist?" So right. it, it all yeah. works, right? Yeah. So, I, so I got my uh, my little sip of wine, and then went back to my booth and emailed you guys right away and was like, "We all have to connect because uh, <laughs> there's just too much fun to be had." But but Deb, like, as you were saying, you know, um, as we talk now about. COVID, uh, and all this craziness that we're going through, I feel like a lot of good change comes out of like hard times and, Mm -hmm. you know, going through those things, um, really gives you perspective. So I'm super, you know, sorry that that happened, but actually it is along the same lines what you were talking about, um, when my dad passed away, I actually made a huge career change because I was like, you know, life's too short. I was, yeah. you know, before I became a speech language pathologist, I was an actuary for about seven years um, and then realized, you know what, I don't love this. I wanna do something that helps people. Um, and that's right. when I made the change. And that was actually a huge, you know, precipice for the, almost like the courage to move forward. Yeah, Um, because something
2: changed in your life, like something that was like a, a vital piece. So your choice is like, you know, I think it's difficult to do your ordinary life when a big change has happened. So for me, I think it's easier if a big change happens, that's outside of my control, I could probably like, contribute to that change by making a choice. So, so just like you did.
1: Yeah. And it boils down to, you know, what's important to you. It kind of gives you a weird perspective in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, what are the essentials? I You know, we had talked really briefly before we jumped on about, you know, the simplicity of life now and in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it just gives you perspective on what do I want to do? You know, what am right. I passionate about? And, you know, it, I'm also going to get a puppy, I believe, this, this weekend. So. Oh,
2: good idea. Always an advocate.
1: <laughs> you, should,
2: you, you definitely should get a puppy. If anyone wants to get a puppy and you're like, 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 hmm, I'm on the fence, call me, I will be that voice of reason that says, 100% get that puppy.
1: So there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of similarities. It's funny, uh, one of the silver linings of the situation is here in Chicago. Um, I was actually trying to foster some dogs, uh, because my my family all has dogs, and Mm -hmm. it's important for us to all be able to socialize those dogs. Well, my mother and my sister's dogs are not the most social dogs, so I wanted to Mm -hmm. foster to make sure they all got along and we could all hang. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no dogs to be fostered here in Chicago. Um, Yeah,
2: that's been happening because lots of people now are signing up so that they don't have to like quarantine alone because I've been, I've always, we're always on those lists. Um, They don't like that I have a 13 year old Yorkie. They think that their dogs are going to hurt my Yorkie. I'm like, you should meet my Yorkie. (laughs) Your dog should be afraid. But um, just to say a little bit more about Corinne, um, I want to give everyone a background. So she earned her Bachelor of Science degree in Actuary Science from the University of Illinois. And she has a Bachelor of Science from Utah State University and a Master of Science in Speech Language and Learning from Northwestern University. Um, she is a licensed SLP and she has her C's. Um, and as she mentioned, she lives in Chicago and she loves deep dish pizza
0: i mean who doesn't me
2: i don't that's what i vote Think it on deep dish because i i like staten island and brooklyn pizza all
0: right all right let's take (laughs) it down 12 notches just they're different they're different pizzas i went to chicago around around in march of last year where Mm -hmm. i wanted to go and see mike perform and then i booked the wrong dates right Right. yes that was funny because that's what I do. You know, I can be yeah. impulsive too. Just book yeah. flights, me. And Deb's like, how'd you get such cheap flights? And I'm like, I'm so lucky. And I'm like, oh, yeah. because I booked different dates.
2: Because Mike was doing a comedy show in Chicago and his tickets were expensive. So he was yeah. mad because when you're a comedian, you're like, how much are they paying me? How much will it cost to get there?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. You have to factor that in. Right. Uh, so when we went to Chicago, I went to Luminati's and I liked them. I did not like Giordano's, but Peapod's was so far away. And I wanted to do like, you know, like touristy things, like the bean and the top, the top of the
1: tower or whatever, the sky. <laughs> sky <laughs> so, <bed>. In Chicago, <laughs> it's the Sears Tower if you're a true Chicagoan, but it's the Willis Tower. That's uh, yes, uh, the I the think Willis Bishop... Tower. But yeah, if you're an old school Chicago and it's the Sears Tower, yeah, so, so you, I, didn't,
0: I didn't get to go to Pequod's, but Mike did recommend the uh, oven grinders, and that was great. So that was my favorite, but I didn't try oh. quads, so but I will go back to Chicago and we'll have to meet in person
1: again. Did you get that absurd, um, the absurd garlic bread that covers the yes, entire table? Yes, I did. I got that. It's, oh
0: we got red wine yes of course
1: definitely definitely I, I wonder how that's going to work going forward because just for all the listeners the the bread doesn't stay on the plate it actually like goes beyond the plate and goes on the table yeah, so for, for for sanitary purposes it's it's delicious it but is. it's uh, maybe they could yeah. put some paper
2: down I
0: know, I yeah i was like okay yeah. let's fold this but wow. i'm getting delicious. really hungry so let's put a I'm gonna talk to Corinne now so Corinne all right so you started as an SLP and in 2014 you started a consulting business correct that is correct so, so what's that like working in that field because you're our first guest to come on where you work in that part of speech
1: makes sense um so it, it was actually something I went into the field knowing so you know as we talked about before uh graduating in actuarial science, I was in consulting actually with Deloitte uh, for in the business world for seven years and realized that uh, the communication components were so important. Uh, And I had moved up pretty quickly uh, because I was able to, to read a room and kind of you know, pivot and work off of kind of the feedback from the different crowds that we were presenting to. I loved it. It, it helped me to advance my career, but I realized that's what I was passionate about is, uh, you know, mentoring younger staff and that sort of thing. Um, and I knew, you know, not the ins and outs, but kind of how I felt and, you know, how I was able to, to read feedback. Uh, so I went back to school to try to figure out what is the science behind communication um, and really started to learn exactly what, you know, all of us as now speech pathologists do. So I, I, did you guys start straight out of school as speech paths?
2: I did. Oh yes. yeah. We just went, yeah, straight through. Yeah.
1: I had so much respect. Once I started learning the different aspects in terms, you know, of pragmatics versus vocabulary versus content, you know, just expressive and receptive that actually, maps very well to the business world. And for lack of better terms, I feel like there's so many people in technological backgrounds and different types of industries that are great at what they do, but not great at communicating. Uh, So it's, it was, it was this piece that I realized in terms of coaching my peers as well as some of the younger staff that that was a differentiator, but also really excels people regardless of what you're doing uh, with your career. So I went back and kind of learned the science, everything that you guys started straight out of the gate with, I got to go back and and learn and kind of now apply. Um, And I use the exact same framework now for businesses and uh, professionals from around the world.
0: So it's different because usually SLPs are working with people with a certain disorder, but you're working with typically developing functioning people who have a job, who are just trying to advance their career and do better for the company. So that's So I'm sure you don't, do you, do you work with, uh, individuals, negative behaviors? And, you know, (laughs) it's like, you know, we have the kids like screaming or, you know, the cameras on their forehead now. So, but now you're in a little bit of a different, uh, are you, where, are you still working in consulting?
1: Um, I am doing, yes, I'm still working in consulting. uh, And yeah, I'm typically hired by a corporation. I work with a lot of individuals too um, in a lot of different realms, right? So we're doing presentation skills. We're doing interview skills. Um, I do a lot of accent modifications. So that was actually my initial focus was kind of breaking down those communication differences because even more than Uh, kind of the way that we judge each other based on the way that we look. If you get on the phone and you hear somebody that speaks slightly differently than you, uh, whether it's a dialectal difference or an actual accent, uh, there is a certain connotation that comes with that. Um, So allowing those professionals to kind of add to their tool set. I, I like to tell people that I'm not taking away from who they are. Mm -hmm. or where they come from, but allowing them to learn another way to communicate when it's necessary, right, to reach the broader mass. Um, And it's, it's funny, because like likes like is what I always say, we all like people that are like us. And if you sound different, people are distracted more so by the way that you sound than by what you're saying quite often, Um, especially if that accent or that dialect is significantly different. Um, So it's fun work. So uh, in terms of unruly clients, I will say that I deal with a lot of different personality types Uh, and uh, a lot of different companies will, you know, hire me to work with uh, different individuals on their communication styles. And the cool thing is I use the exact same framework that, you you know, everyone uses for, for little kids, for adults with disorders for, uh, professionals that are within the business world, the exact same framework. So any so speech path could do this.
0: Do you have like an assessment and then you like make a treatment plan and then you like measure their progress. So that's what you mean by the framework.
1: Exactly. So,
0: um, formal- like we're assessing our accent. Like this, do I have like a New York
1: accent? Is it? Absolutely. You do. Oh God. You do. All
0: right. All right.
1: All right. <laughs> Just too Just, uh, one of the coolest things I actually learned, um, in my master's program is the standard american english dialect is uh central michigan Mm -hmm. um i'm not sure if you guys knew this um but uh it's actually interesting so chicago which is also an accent i have one for sure um is the closest to a standard um, but i don't have that like thick chicago accent uh the most standard american uh, way of speaking, so to speak. But then we have, you know, you think about West Coast versus East Coast, mm-hmm. North North, yeah. like yeah, North versus South. And actually, that was a great story. Uh, working at Deloitte, I uh, had a client that was from the South, and they had extremely thick Southern accents north and Southern uh, drawl, exactly. A drawl. Exactly, a drawl, exactly. And I was actually an intern, and they, my manager, told me. Before we got on the call, which just goes to show how important communication is. Again, these are all business people that are math number nerds, which I'm not going to take myself out of that group because I love my numbers. Um, but they, they prefaced the entire call with they are going to sound different. They are going to use a different type of way of speaking, but they are smarter than, than anything. They're going to ask way intense questions. Just be ready for that uh so it was really it was really jarring to listen it took a lot of effort but at the same time yeah i was very distracted uh super smart though uh definitely got put on my heels
2: <laughs> so that's an important point to bring up how, so you're saying like although you are a speech language pathologist you have a consulting company and that's the keyword consulting because i took the um I I'm certified in accent reduction as well but because that's not a disorder it's not something that you can um treat or diagnose or bill for but you can bill yourself as a consultant and that's the service that you're providing because there is no pathology there you're just working on um means of communication exactly. and yeah uh I haven't really used it and I I wanted to but I I haven't um I haven't gotten into it. I
1: so at Northwestern, actually, uh, it's funny because when I was applying to uh, to grad programs, I actually applied to eleven different programs throughout the United States because I said, like, if I'm gonna go back and change my career, I'm gonna go someplace sunny. So I went all across California, did a coastal drive to visit all these campuses, um, and then I, you know, applied to to Florida State University, and then. Um, for family circumstances, actually, exactly what we talked about earlier, uh, I, I applied to Northwestern. It's close. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and only two out of the 11 schools accepted me. But I was very honest for the reasons that I applied it was, hey, I want to change, you know, the format of the business world. I want to break down barriers. I want people to be heard for their actual abilities and skill sets, mm-hmm. regardless of what, you know, our interpretation of that is. I think that's Uh, a
0: good point because like you mentioned before, you were saying like that person warned you about the phone call, like, okay, they're going to sound different, but they're intelligent. And that like really shows that as much as maybe we don't want to, we don't want to like pass a judgment on someone's accent, but like, I guess it happens naturally, but like, you know, we, I, I would like to see that change, but I think that's going to take a very long time. And it's just kind of Mm -hmm. like part of society, I guess.
2: Personally, I think I have foreign accent syndrome where you, like, you have, it's like a psychological disorder where you hear an accent and then all of a sudden, like, that's your accent. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll that be... Happens. That
0: happens. Because, <laughs> like, acoustically yeah. your brain is hearing that. Right. Throwing it back to acoustics, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, done.
2: I've never been to Kentucky, but... I sound like it.
0: <laughs> well, if you like me I feel like when I go to Greece and I'm there for a month, like I feel yeah. like even sometimes like when I speak English, like the stress is a little different, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know, just I can't explain it. Or even like if I dream, like I'll dream more in Greek because you're just uh-huh. more immersed in the language. But that's the same thing with the dialect, too.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. like I was watching Justified last night, and it's like I mentioned, it's based in Kentucky. And after, I'm like, "Well, what's happening here right now with this guy? What's he doing?" <laughs> like all of a sudden, like. <laughs> but then I'm on Zoom, and all of, sudden, all of a sudden, all my cousins from Staten Island, and I'm like, "No, you're not listening to me, okay? That's what's happening right here. You're not listening. <laughs> like I am. I am two different people within 20 minutes."
1: You, you bring up a really good point, though. Um, I, think, I think speech pathologists are actually very apt to understanding what those differences are. And it's all pattern-based.
2: So yeah. it's
1: exactly what we're doing. You know, and I, I went through clinical, you know,
2: I had to I'll manipulate my syntax, too. I'll be like, how are you going to tell me you're doing that when you're not actually doing that? How, how you are you going to say that's Yeah. yeah
1: exactly.
2: But where, where, where's, he, where's he at? where's he at like like, like, like things like that like i just you know often i will say well where is he but depending upon who i'm talking to i might say it differently
1: talking to yeah
2: (laughs) this episode
0: is brought to you by the sensory studio the sensory studio is a pediatric private practice with two convenient locations in staten island new york Traditionally, the Sensory Studio offers school, center, and home-based speech and occupational therapy through private medical insurance. Right now, the Sensory Studio is offering teletherapy sessions for speech and occupational therapy through a simple email link to all New Yorkers. Please email them at info at or call 718-979-5678 to reach their parent coordinator. Also, check out the show notes for more information. And now back to our interview with Corinne Vargas. How do you assess like people? I guess you're assessing like vowels, like because that vowels is what really drives the accent, correct? And prosody uh, and
2: stress.
1: Exactly. prosody, okay. stress, uh, mm-hmm. intonation. Uh, there's a lot of different components that go into it. Um, and it's every aspect. It, it's crazy because it was so cool going through grad school with, with, you know, peers that were so interested in children and, you know, with TIA and those different aspects. And I loved it, too. I have a background. My mom actually had a stroke when I was young. Uh, and she had to learn how to walk, talk, read, write again. And so there's a near and dear understanding of how important language is. And, you know, we, she still has some effects in terms of word recall, but that actually kind of translates as well to English second language learners, right? They're looking and they're searching Mm -hmm. for the word. We all have those issues too, depending on, you know, uh, presentation skills and being nervous and being out of our element. So there's so many aspects that I feel like speech paths could jump into if, if um, and there's a little bit of fear actually when I talk to a lot of speech paths too that are within schools or you know working within the the pediatric uh, realm, they're like or
2: dialects, not disorder. Dialects yeah. bring people together; disorders tear people apart. <laughs> depth Staten Island is like coming out, and I feel
0: like it's like here
2: to stay. Maybe oh, I'm ready? Would you like me? Do you want me to do a different one?
0: Well, I don't know. Like, <laughs>
2: Well, who would you like me to be, Maria?
0: If you could do a, that down, bad. a down under, an Australian
2: oh. accent. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to do that. But I could say, there they are. Those are my boots, Jerry. You're wearing my boots. Oh, I don't know how that happened. I love
1: that because I actually, so even when I hear an accent or when I, you know, when I'm working with a a child or, you know, assessing a child and and I'll do that, you know, for different individuals or friends or in a, you know, consulting basis to keep my skills up. uh, And it's funny because I will emulate what they're doing and then figure out what my tongue is doing. Yeah. And then, you know, use that description or use that feeling to describe it. So like, dad, when you're doing all these accents, are you thinking about how you're changing, you know, the articulators in your mouth. Well, no. That's per- – <laughs> No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not at all. I'm just like, um, what does that sound like? Uh, am I going to get an email saying that's wrong? And
1: that's um, a lot of what accent work is about, though, is just like emulating what they're do, like, int- or, you know, it- just following what they're doing and then figuring out how do I say it Mm -hmm. The theoretical, non-accented or dialectal way, and then describing that and using your descriptions in their terms. So you're kind of changing it for them. And it's the same thing for content. It's the same thing when we're talking about different individuals, you know, that need to work on, let's just say, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, pragmatics. So, you know, cross-generational stuff. Uh, Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even, and I don't want to get into politics, but even po- political situations now, right? When we talk about vocabulary and content, uh, mm-hmm. just talking about making sure that we're bringing in, you know, the correct verbiage for whatever, you know, right. uh, situation yeah. we're setting.
2: Being politically correct. Right. That's <laughs> yeah. sem-
0: semantics, right? Choose the correct mm-hmm. vocabulary words. So now you're doing consulting and you also have your smart charts, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're doing teletherapy you've transitioned. How's that trend? How did that transition go for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, actually smart charts is a, a web-based application that actually supports teletherapy as well as in place uh, in-person therapy um, and it's about data so uh, this brings back my actuary nerdy life <laughs> um, I know Dad as SLP
0: we are data love and SLP I have
1: that Wait,
2: do you want to explain what that is though because I the only reason why I know what actuary science is is because when I went to st. John's undergrad they accidentally put me in um, <laughs> the orientation group of all of the international students, I was like, guys, I'm from Staten Island. I'm not from like another, like, it's not that far. I know it's far, but it's like kind of close.
0: You're not from down under. No, (laughs) I
2: wasn't. But I was with all the international kids, and so many of them were actuary science majors, and they were doing that because they wanted to eventually go into law or insurance. So actuary science is to determine like the what it's like how long people have lived or what is it again yes. I good,
1: good questions so, um, <laughs> I love to explain uh I I love to explain actuarial sciences um it's okay so everyone knows what an accountant is right like numbers yeah yes um actuarial scientist Maria's are, accountant
2: told her to be an SLP yes he did <laughs> that's why she's here so we know about accounting
1: I need to hear that story.
2: <laughs> he said it's a good job for a woman.
1: Did. Oh, for a
2: woman. I like it. Um. Yeah. I know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So accounting, yeah. actuary, science.
1: which actually it's funny, two things there. It feeds into my position a lot because uh, a lot of the, the professionals that I work with within the business realm, I'm hired to actually deal with different types of you know, social, social differences and social issues. And it's kind of like, I'm hired to help them figure out how to communicate better or appropriately. Um, and when we talk about women versus men, we have actually different expectations for the way that we should Mm -hmm. actually present ourselves within the business world. Um, it's kind of, I like to liken it to children versus adults. Uh, they are very, very different expectations. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's, it's actually, it's kind of a, a taboo thing to talk about, but uh, if I can't show that some of these individuals make uh, advances in their communication, then yeah. they actually might lose their positions, um, yeah. and I'm kind of like a last-ditch effort. That's
2: I understand what you're saying, but because of a John Mulaney joke, actually, he told on yeah. SNL during his monologue. Did you hear this?
1: <laughs> He's from Chicago, Chicago. Sure.
2: So he has a joke about the, the subway in New York City, how it's like he likes the girl voice that's like, next stop is Chamber Street. And then all of a sudden it's a scary guy who's like, stand clear of the closing doors. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I have a friend who works for the MTA. Why is it like a friendly woman with a surprise? And then a really angry man. And then, and then the MTA worker told John Mulaney that um, – it's been scientifically proven that people will take advice from women, but they'll take warnings from men.
0: Wow. Interesting. Yeah.
2: Interesting. I mean, he actually had like a whole setup premise and punchline. I was just delivering the information.
0: That's a good. But, info, though, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: what are the <laughs> expectations for women presented versus presenters versus men? I'm just like, yeah,
1: that's, that's a really that. great question. Um, so, I, I, not again. Not to get into political aspects, but uh, something I noticed years back when uh, our last presidential race is—I think Hillary Clinton was significantly coached this last time uh, because uh, women are not allowed to have, um, for lack of better terms, our RBF rusting bitch face. Um, We are not allowed to sit on TV and have just a resting face that does not look welcoming and uh inviting. However, uh male politicians, male executives can sit there looking exactly like they look and whoever they are, whether it's an inviting face or a grumpy face, and that is okay. Um, And this is kind of just ingrained in our site in our social constructs, but also just the the men versus women type of perspective. So, getting into a business realm, if you sit there and you don't have an inviting uh, tone, like we talked about tone, prosody, and intonation, mm-hmm. as a woman, and you're kind of, you know, speaking, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, very. Uh, yeah, you have to use different terminology. You cannot say the same thing that a man says uh, without adding some sort of intonation to it without sounding and having these descriptors that are so numerous for women, bitchy, uh, awkward, uh, bossy, angry. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So Um, this is interesting though, because this is not like you are not running an etiquette course. You're not saying like, according, like, you're not saying like, this is the best way for women to act. You're saying if you would like to influence people within our society, these are the um ideals that have been ingrained within their mind, so yeah. if you want to penetrate that, this is the most effective way. That doesn't mean that it's awesome. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that like you know
1: I don't agree I love exactly that women have
2: to do this
1: exactly what we were talking about earlier it's It's also like accent, right? We have an innate kind of gut feeling that comes with if we hear something presented one way um, in terms of an accent or from a woman versus a man. And those, like it or not, those are accepted on, on many different levels in many different ways, but we have expectations. Um, and like, likes, like. So that's sounds a little funny but we like to hear what we're used to hearing. We like to hear something that we can relate to So it's not about coaching women to be a certain way. it's about actually coaching women to use our you know intelligence and our knowledge right. but present it in a way that will be received and mm-hmm. again it's it's a, it's a for me it's a skill set just like accent um, just like any other aspect it's like learning Excel or Word or zoom. Or it's something you can take out of your your bag of tricks and put Mm -hmm. it back you can be yourself across the board Uh, you can take your accent and you know switch it to british if you need to for a film for exact for an actor but you need to present in a certain way to reach the audience and it's about making sure that you're achieving your goals
2: about knowing your audience
1: exactly Exactly. Uh, and relating to your audience. Well said. I'm going to get a
0: cheers to that. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. The audience.
2: Mm-hmm. It, um, it makes sense um, that you want, it's all rhetoric. It's like, how are you going to get your point across? And how will you be able to influence people that you're speaking to?
1: And there's a couple little um, tidbits that I actually love to talk about um, in terms of men versus women too. Mm -hmm. So women are actually able to show scientifically two different emotions on our our faces. uh, And men can actually only show and read one emotion. And we can actually read multiple emotions, but men can only show one. Um, And so oftentimes when we're talking about uh, different circumstances. Men can only show
2: one or they can only read one?
1: Both. They can only read one and they can only show one. Which emotion is that? or any emotion it's oh, okay. just a singular it's just a singular she
2: feels something a- she's there's something there's something happening with her face she, yeah. she doesn't like it or she likes it it's one of them <laughs> something exactly. they're, they're different <laughs> so
0: probably because probably their brains are hardwired differently than ours and we as women have more emotions so just like We're more aware of it and more attuned to emotion. That is just our our brain, right? That's just how we're hardwired.
1: They're like, mayday, mayday, mayday. And they're like, retreat, retreat. (laughs) (laughs) Come forward with chocolate and gifts. Yes. Something. Also something actually that was super interesting for me to learn a couple years back is that um, so – you know the idea that men uh, look you up and down and scan you and within a within a business realm, uh, women can see the actual like head to foot profile just by looking someone in the face. Um, we can actually see below the belt, but men only have an eighteen inch radius. so the reason that they're looking you up and down is actually to try to scan your body communication so they're trying to understand who you are. it sometimes it's different, of course, but but, uh, like, biologically, they are only really able, to, in their visual field, They have tunnel about, vision. Exactly, 18 inches. So there's a lot of uh, coaching and understanding in terms yeah. of, okay, they're not looking you up and down. They're actually trying to figure something out there.
2: I think that makes sense because I'll be – Michael always be like, where are the keys? I'm like, did you look? Or did you did you lift anything? Did you maneuver? Did you did you did you bend? Did you open your eyes?
0: <laughs> Any of these did things? I have like a checklist on the fridge. <laughs> did, I, did I bend? Did I bend? Did I, did I, bend? I lift? Did I turn my head to the, left and the to the right?
1: Did I lift things? <laughs> no. Well, a new right. tattoo, a new tattoo, right? That would be a great tattoo.
2: Just the Yeah, out. I was putting it on my forehead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like these, that tattoo. Alright, so you won't see it. I'll
2: have to look in the mirror. It'll be backwards. Then he'll be like, "This isn't my fault."
1: But along those lines, exactly, So to circle back to what we were talking about, along those lines, there's a lot of data tracking that can go along with these, uh, you know, verbal and nonverbal skills uh, when it comes to communication. So um, I think one of the hardest things with the clients that I was working with, as we talked about, they're not disordered. Right, like Deb was saying they're not disordered. It's just communication differences. I think that's a really cool thing with this uh, population as well. They challenge you. They ask you a lot of serious questions, and the answer isn't always. I know the answer. Sometimes I have to go back and research. Right? It's mm-hmm. not like we're all knowing all the time. And I think that's important too to be able to tell people, hey, that's a really great question. This is my gut feeling, but let me get back to you and let me circle mm-hmm. back with you. Um, so they're able. There's there's nothing wrong. There's nothing. That we're tackling in terms of trying to their therapy, you know, make it better. Um, yeah. But uh, that was what actually I realized was really hard. Not only for my non-disordered accent and business clients and consulting clients, but when I was in undergrad or sorry, graduate school, um, the idea that visualizing how much progress we're making. I think as SLPs, we're like, hey, great job. You know, Susie, great job, Brian. I had a a patient that was uh, 13 years old who had a habituated R issue. Uh, and it was the first time he chose to work on it because he was going through puberty, and this was, you know, kind of embarrassing for him. Um, and so, we all know that I think ours happen in 13 different contexts. Well, that's a huge undertaking. So, the ability, I, I realized, what's your favorite color, dude? And he was like, green. So, I started graphing uh, green darker, darker, darker. And as we tackled all 13 of those different um, aspects, he got so excited. So, the darker the green, and act, as we know, there you go. targeting
2: that intrinsic motivation. I love it.
1: Exactly. And the visualization component. Yeah. Because um, mm. I think when you're throwing compliments at someone or saying you're doing a great job, uh, that's one thing. But to be able to show that, Mm-hmm. is what's really difficult so I created a smart charts. actually when I was at Northwestern I didn't create smart charts the company but kind of the idea of how do we show them in their own terms and their own way that you're doing a kick-ass job for lack of better terms mm-hmm. and taking names and I'm here to support you and we are working on the same thing so the idea started when you
0: were in grad school and then you and then when did you create smart charts when you were like wow this is working like I want to create yeah. this and this is like an episode we had about like taking initiative you know like you saw a need for something and you did it
1: yeah yeah you weren't like so- "Wow,
0: this
2: doesn't work <laughs> why doesn't it work yeah. the way it should yeah and, and let me break down what smart charts is really
1: quickly too so smart charts is uh obviously it, it's uh it's, it's an acronym uh, that probably isn't totally clear, but with our goals, specific, measurable, attainable, reliable, and timely, right? And so, what the actual app does is it breaks it down into the actual components of our goals and gives you drop downs and perspectives, but allows you to type in the actual skill sets, remembers what you've done historically, um, and allows you to work off of a bank and then starts to suggest what you might work on with certain populations. Um, it makes your goal writing really fast, but it's also ASHA adherent. Um, and the coolest thing for me was how do I cut down my time on documentation and actually make this meaningful so uh it it turns it into pictures for little kids it turns it into Mm -hmm. colors and so when did i turn to answer your question maria when did i turn this into action um i went back to deloitte actually they became my first client and they wanted to buy the framework that i created uh at northwestern just because i was creating excel sheets and my nerdy actuarial stuff deb we never answered that question either i'm right yeah I'm an accountant to like the eight, like the millionth degree uh, actuaries. Just love stats and just right. Nobody.
2: Stats on people. Yeah, yeah, well, stats so, on people. So it's like if you're an insurance company, then it's like this person is gonna live, so it, yeah. y- you can give them insurance, so or they're like difference. this person not gonna live. Yeah, don't yeah.
1: give them insurance. <laughs> 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 There's four, yeah. There's four different, er- exactly that, like mortality like, yeah. tables, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I used to joke with my friends because no one knew what it was. Is uh, at bars, uh, what are you? I'm, I'm an actuary. You know, I'm. What, what does that mean? And I'd be like, oh, I, am gonna predict when you die. Yeah. As it's a joke, yeah. but yeah, we use Are you risky? This, yeah. <laughs> it's it wasn't it funny, <laughs> but they use mortality tables and all these number. It's things, like oh, but- along came Polly. Mm-hmm. It's exactly a long time yes. Um, but you could do it for life, like we were just talking about. I did um, buildings falling down, hurricanes, and people wow. losing limbs. So, wow. all right. So I'm looking anyway. at the, my smart. So it's
2: statistics on disasters. So did <laughs> did you predict like coronavirus
1: scenarios? <laughs> like- <laughs> I guarantee you right now that uh, actuaries are are trying to figure out how much this is going to cost us in the long term. So they're figuring out, you know, for insurance companies, how do we make sure that everyone's covered and insurance Mm -hmm. companies are still making money. So I think that was my reason to change is I didn't want to work for the man. I wanted to work for individuals.
0: Nice. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at mysmartcharts.com. So it's like live session tracking. So like you'll have it up while during the session in person or now on teletherapy. Mm-hmm. And then they could see like when they're doing well, or they can see if they're hitting their target. And then Exactly.
1: See- so it's like immediate
2: biofeedback.
1: It's immediate biofeedback. And also um, from a speech language pathologist or OT or PT perspective, um, it allows you to track immediately and then hit end session and it automatically writes your progress.
2: Um, oh wow, so that's impressive. It,
1: and that actually maps the progress over time and it creates a visualization. So for adults that's like a graph and then for you know uh, if you have little kids you can create uh, animations and pictures out of the, the app. And then, you know, for older adults, we could. I had a patient who loved the Green Bay Hackers. So we, we used those emblems to start coloring in and doing stuff. So the idea behind it is to make data obtainable and understandable at all ages and make it fast and easy for us to speech fast because who really wants to take data? Who right. wants to take data and have to interpret it all the time, right?
2: Not me. I um, hate it.
1: No. Yeah. Wow, I, I, that's great. I just don't like wasting time. And I love numbers, so how do I make it easier for all of us?
2: <laughs> right. And I love teaching, and I do love data because I want to know, like, that I've made a difference. I just hate, like, the obsession with data so anything that can make it easier, I love. Like if it's contributing to my practice, the way that you're describing, the way charts is like providing immediate feedback, it's eliminating that extra time required to create this note that's not helpful to you really. It's only like documenting that something occurred. But um, the way that you've constructed this, it's, it's beneficial to the client, to the clinician, and then to all the administrative annoying people.
1: Yeah. And it's got your back in terms of making this fast. And that was the whole idea is, you know what, let's let SLPs do what they love doing. Uh, Let's not actually take the time away. You know, there's enough planning that goes into everything. And that's actually the cool part. I love doing that, right? Enabling uh, people to reach their goals. But at the same time, how do we communicate other than, hey, you're doing a great job. Let me show you. Right. And for a three-year-old, let's put that on the refrigerator. Let's print that. Let's send that to mom and dad and yeah. let them log in and see that individually. Uh, You—it's also shareable too, so you can share it across, a, a, you know, a therapeutic or team to show right. how they're doing in speech versus OT. So it's sometimes it's important. So. Uh, it's- it's an app and then maybe right? it's the I'm gonna
0: download it right now. on My
1: iPad.
2: <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. maybe it's like the only thing oh. that somebody is like truly successful with in terms of like skills and academics at that point, like maybe math is a constant struggle and English is a constant struggle and reading is a conflict, constant struggle, but if they're doing well, if you found an area in speech where you're capitalizing on their strengths and you're able to chart that and put that on the refrigerator, now that's going to contribute to that child's self-esteem and their motivation. They're going to be like, "Finally, I am good at something. Something is going well, and here's the proof. Now I know I can do more things."
1: Exactly. And Maria, so it's a web-based application, so you have oh, to go to web-based. My Smart Charts. Yeah, and the reason it's web-based, the what reason yeah. it's web-based is because it's HIPAA compliant. So meaning that we uh, we encrypt all the data and de-identify the information to make sure that you are covered as a professional. So you have to go to mysmartcharts.com. But, um, okay. It, exactly. On.
0: I see a cool donut, goal number two, and then there's a donut. <laughs> cool. Visually, and, and- and treatment tracking for clinics and schools. Sure. Okay. Well, check out the show notes. We'll have the link to this in the show notes. Anyone driving or anyone like <laughs> try to do it now, you know, I always tell everyone that it's like disclaimer.
1: And Deb, exactly what you were saying too. Um, I think what was important uh, before COVID um, as well as during COVID is the idea to for parents, if they're traveling or international, to be able to log in and see how their child did. So maybe they're on a project in San Francisco and they live in New York you know, with, right. um, with the amazing thin crust pizza that you have. Um, <laughs> and they can log in yeah. and see how their child Susie did and, you know, kind of have that conversation over the phone to reinforce as parents as well. So there's a parent login if you want to share that with parents. It's not required. That's uh,
2: wonderful. Yeah. I, I don't want to say, like, I don't hate Deep dish, but like, I don't even like Sicilian (laughs) slices, but I would, I am really, I'm willing to try anything. I'm very open-minded. I will not overgeneralize and be like, I don't want to provide a blanket statement where I'm like, I hate all deep dish pizza. I'm just saying like, there's one place in Brooklyn, it's called Archie's in Bushwick and they have deep dish and it is good, but it's like saturated in butter. So it's like, I know I'm paying for this. In I'm many ways,
1: writing that down right.
2: Now. Archie's, yeah. I, I it just is it good.
1: I just it <laughs> <laughs> and for both of you, I know you've probably answered this previously and I may have missed it, but what is your favorite New York pizza? Mm.
0: I like LMB. I like LMB. Uh, actually, no, no, no. Artichoke, artichoke pizza. Final answer. Not going back.
2: Maria's not I... really from here. <laughs> she's just.
0: She's just, <laughs> just bitter. Fake okay, pizza. We don't, know, we don't know what
2: has. It's made a franchise it. that has saturated toppings. I think because Maria's like, you know what? I like innovation. So what do I think? I think we should take the pizza and destroy it, <laughs> and put all this crap on top of it, so we can't even handle the mass that it's been topped with. It's I like. So good.
0: It's so. No, it is.
2: Oh, whatever. Oh, good.
0: It's very good. Agree to
2: disagree. So I like the polar opposite of Maria. I have two I have three places I love and I I I don't live in the world where you I have to choose. Have no, one. I don't I don't live in your world. I live in my world where all three exist and yeah, I can great. have them whenever I want. I
0: like two more. I like nunzios on the <laughs> island and then I like L and B pizza in Brooklyn. So You you, you get the square
2: You get the square slice from L and B? Yes. Marie and I just have different tastes. That's okay. Yeah, it's all right. that's fine. I like my favorite. I have um, number one. Well, all number—they're all number one. Joe and Pat's, Staten Island. Um, it's on Victory Boulevard. Um, very good pizza. It's thin, thin crust. Uh, just perfect pizza. Can't go wrong. Um, Danino's. So if you want a slice, you can go to Joe and Pat's, or you can get a pie. Danino's in Port Richmond, Staten Island, on morning. Morningside Road, I think. Morning Star. yeah. Morning Star Road. Um, that is a great pizza place. And uh, you can only get pies there. I think it's also cash only. Um, and then when you're done, you can go across the street to Ralph Italian Ice. And yeah. that's yep. the best Italian Ice there is. And that's the original one.
0: Um, Good point. Good point.
2: And then, and Danino's, don't go there thinking you're going to eat right now because you're not. You have to wait. So, don't go there hungry,
1: exactly and like exactly like Pequod's, but there yeah. but there's a there's a good little establishment next door that you can hang out and have a a beverage or a soda. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, that's helpful. Bush Brooklyn does that a lot, like Williamsburg. There's like lots of places you can go to while you're waiting on the line. Um, but then, my favorite pizza in Brooklyn. I, I feel bad it's not Polly G's. I would say that's number two in Brooklyn, but number one in Brooklyn is Totono's in Coney Islands. Um, okay. They're only open when they feel like being open. And when they are open, the waitress is very mean. So it's great. About them on the yeah. show.
0: That pizza is good. Not my, not, I wouldn't put it on my top three, but it is good. I wouldn't say no to it. You know? Yeah. You say no to oh, me. I love
2: it. One time we showed up cause they're only open like Thursday through Sunday and we got there on a Thursday and they just decided to not open. And Mike was furious like furious, just like, what do you mean? This is what the sign says. Um,
1: oh, girls, yeah. along, those, along those lines, um, I I don't personally love hot dogs, um, but do obviously do Chicago is known for that. Um, there's a place called the Wiener Circle here in Chicago. Oh. It's on it's on the north side. And actually, the entire premise behind it is rude staff. Um, and you order certain menu items, and they do very awkward very mean things, uh, but also a cool experience. Yeah. Uh, it's not the way that Chicagoans act, but that's a good Chicago
2: accent. That's funny. But that's like a gimmick. Like, this woman is authentic. She is just like, her dad bought this place. She's been there for the last 60 years. She doesn't want you touching the soda cabinet. <laughs> She's on her flip phone, do interrupts her conversations to order her
1: <laughs> Oh my goodness. It
0: wasn't as mean to us when we went versus when Mike and Deb went, but that's okay. She
2: was pleasant the last time I went with Amy, but at the same time, I wish she was more abusive. So, you know what? Fine.
1: (laughs) Actually, I think the staff have free reign. Uh, It's not. Oh my goodness, I'm forgetting the name of the other place that actually was a gimmick. No, this place they, they are just allowed to say whatever they want. There's um, a place G- called like whatever. Dick's
2: or, or something where people are allowed to be Yeah, Dick's Last
1: Resort. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that there. that's not it. Uh it no, this it is they will they will
2: I think being you. mean is very effective. Going along with what you said, you know, you're a consultant. It's like, how do you want to get your way as a waitress? You want to get your way in terms of getting higher tips. And I always, I was a waitress for 10 years and I am not the friendliest person. I mean, people think I'm friendly. I'm really not very friendly. And when I was a waitress, I was quite mean. And I always got the highest tips because we would compete. And whoever was high guy, because when you pool tips as a staff. Everyone gets the same amount of tips, but if there's any, like, remainder, like, any leftover, whoever was high guy gets that leftover money. So we would all compete to be high guy. And I was always, like, really mean to people, and I usually won each night. So I think that people, like, because I'm not mean in a cruel way, but if you, like, if you want to bust someone's chops, if you want to, like, give someone a hard time, people, people actually like that.
1: They do. I think actually, people really like off, off, authenticity in mm-hmm. terms of, yeah, you know, replying, and that actually has a lot to do with what we were talking about in terms of communication. And that's actually one thing I, I do want to say to your audiences. Um, no matter what population you work with, I would definitely consider thinking about doing consulting for adults um, in different situations. Everybody uh, needs a little bit of help in terms of communication styles, and we as speech language pathologists are hundred percent specialists, if not attuned to understanding and assessing what's going on, whether you're using formal or informal assessments. Um, Maria, I think you asked me earlier, how are you assessing informal assessments? And then I will drill down to formal assessments. But the thing is, is I, I think in Chicago, I've mentored a lot of speech pathologists trying to get into the corporate side. There's not to be very frank, there's a lot of good money there. Uh, but I also think there's a lot of value in terms of breaking down those barriers that we were talking about earlier. And I think it's super important to make sure that, you know, everyone is seen for their talents, no matter what age. And even if there isn't a diagnosed disability, I do believe as adults, uh, autism and that diagnosis didn't exist, uh, you know, Uh, 20, 20, 30 years ago. And there's a lot of people. It
0: did, just no one, it wasn't as, as well known as it is now.
1: Right. And it wasn't as differentiated. Right. I apologize. Yeah. It wasn't as diff it happen. wasn't as differentiated as it is now. Exactly. And I believe that every speech pathologist is quite literally overqualified to handle these situations and should be super confident about having these conversations and exactly. helping people at all ages. We so, are the communication experts. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so so and I think about, I, I want everyone to think about it in terms of broad perspective, in terms of, of change, not only for disordered populations that are diagnosed, but in terms of kind of furthering people to enable themselves to get to that. Excellent.
0: Exactly. So would you like to leave us off with a quote or a mantra? Or we like to end our episodes <laughs> with a quote? If you, could condense, if you could condense all that into a quote.
2: Or if there's something you tell yourself on a daily basis that get to you through your day or advice Mm -hmm. you always find yourself giving to other people.
1: You know what? It's actually super simple is I am enough. Oh good. That's great. I know that sounds super that sounds super cheesy, but I am enough. And (laughs) finding the right people, finding the right people to get you there. Uh and I think that's that speech pathologist is whether we have to do a little bit more research and circle back like I said earlier or, you know, help others achieve their ultimate potential. It's you are enough. It's just getting through the work that it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great way. to I feel like we're
0: gonna end it on that. That you are.
2: Yeah. There. Thanks for chatting with us. This has been one of my favorite episodes. Thanks, Corinne.
0: Thank you so much, Corinne. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I, I had a lot of fun with you too. Good. So on my end, good night, everyone. Good night from New York. Ciao. Good night from Chicago. Bye. (laughs)